I think it's just building systems into things and kids just fall very naturally into routine and schedule. And as much as, you know, we talked about it last week, can you be overscheduled? But I think for kids, it just, it means predictability and it means Mm -hmm. safety for them, especially we have some neurodiverse children and it's especially important for them. Welcome to the In the Boat with Ben and Rachel podcast. I am Ben. And I'm Rachel. This podcast exists to be an encouragement and a motivator for creators. We share stories about our circumstances and our struggles and things that we are trying and working through as creators in hopes that it will help you feel less alone and give you some fresh ideas for how you can approach creativity in your life. So today's topic comes from a question that we get, I would say pretty often, there's this question comes up anytime people find out that we have six kids, we work from home, we have creative, you know, kind of careers, they ask, how do you do it all? Or just how do you do it? Not even how do you do it all? It's like, yeah, how do you, how how do you even, how are you still, (laughs) how are you still standing? And so I, I wanted to get into the actual details and logistics of that. There's there's definitely a side to answering that question that has more to do with mentality and philosophy and maybe even, you know, things that are kind of peripheral, like we work out and we eat healthy foods and that energizes us. There, there are some things that we've taught our, our kids that make it make them a little bit more flexible and and self-sufficient. I'm not, I'm, I don't think I want to get into as much of those things, but really talk more about like the specific, like how does our schedule actually work? How do we carve out time to be creative or even to sit down and do this podcast? Or the spaces that we have to do our work too, you know? Yeah. Because kids aren't always in school. Right. (laughs) No, they're not. When they're in school. (laughs) It's super easy. I'm like, how, how much can I get done while they're in school? Yeah, it is a little, it's a little bit of a trade-off because when they're home, you, you don't have to hustle as much in the morning to get everybody ready and you don't have to worry about getting, you know, when they come home from school, making sure they put their backpacks and stuff where they go. Yeah. There's a mental energy that you don't have to spend. (laughs) Right. But a different mental energy that you do have to spend, you know, making sure they don't tear apart the house. So. Yeah. So I would say I kind of want to just go from like, you know, the early years and kind of work our way through to how our approach has evolved and what it looks like today. So does that sound good to you? So in the beginning, no. uh, I don't know if I even remember the first years. It's all been a blur. It really has been. So and, and I will say that in the early years, I'm thinking back to probably about the time I, I would start this about the time we had three so mm-hmm. we were three going on five yeah and they were like four two one and about to be newborn yeah yeah it and it, it was but once you're outnumbered like once you have mm-hmm. that third that's when the game really starts to change so we we were like okay we gotta we gotta figure this out and at that point we 
we hadn't really decided yet, like, oh, we're going to have this big family. Yeah. Uh, so we were, I think, still operating as if we were going to be a quote unquote normal size family. And I say, I say quote unquote, because there's no such thing as like a normal size family, but whatever in this society, it's this society is kind of built around like 2.5 kids. Yeah. Exactly. It might even be less than that, 2.1 or something. So what was the family size? That that was today we went grocery shopping and yeah. we were trying to get lasagna and you could get the we family do a special, size. I just want to say, because you just said we eat healthy, but we, on Fridays, we have a special like, yeah, we eat poorly on a Friday. So. We, we, we indulge a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we indulge. The, okay. the kids are having a birthday, uh, the twins are having a birthday soon, so. Yeah. But we... We were looking at the lasagna and it's they like had family packs. Family pack. But eight the family, servings. No, the family packs were four servings. Oh, yeah. The family packs were four servings. And we're so like, we were like, well, what's the size of, oh, the party pack. The party pack has eight servings. Yeah. And there but are, everybody wants seconds. So we'd have to have two party packs. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, not a, we're not a family. We're we a party. are a party. We are a party everywhere we go. Yep. So, uh, so that was, that was kind of interesting, but anyways, back, back in those days, we were still kind of operating as if, oh, we're a, we're a two or three kid size family. And even then, you know, we were starting to feel the pull on our creativity. I was working a full-time job. I was working a full-time job. You were, you were working a full-time job. I actually, I had just quit my full-time mm -hmm. job because we were going to it try to do- It had been a couple of years, actually. Yeah. We, we were going to try to do the band mm -hmm. full-time. So- While I had a full-time job. Right. The, yeah, the plan was to get you out of your full-time job eventually too. Yeah. And it didn't pan out. But back then- we were less egalitarian in our approach. And so what I mean by that is the assumption that household responsibilities, and you can, you can kind of throw into that category, whatever you, whatever you want. But like for us, that was just running the household, making sure that there were meals and groceries, the budget was taken care of, the kids had the clothes they needed, all the, all the, all of the things related to making sure the household ran smoothly. The assumption back then was more like, oh, Rachel's going to take care of most of that. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of what I, what I can, but like, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to hustle and get this thing going, even though you're working a full-time job. And so trying to take care of our children. That, that broke down pretty quickly. Yeah. And fortunately, I, I think I started, I was sensitive enough to see the effect I was having. I was evolving in the way that I thought about how a household should be run and that kind of thing. And so we shifted, I think, pretty quickly to a more egalitarian model where it was like, no, we share, we share the responsibilities. I need to care as much about how the kids are going to have clothes in the right size. And I need to care as much about how meals are going to happen and, and all of that. And so, so that was, I think, a big piece of what helped us earlier on establish some, some things that allowed us to be creative. But again, you were still working a full-time job. And so like, despite- it was still a lot. Yeah. yeah. Despite the fact that- And I was pregnant with twins. So in essence, I was not sleeping at all. And I ached all the time. So you were, you were kind of at that time squeezing your creativity into the nights I and didn't, weekends. I don't think I did anything at that time. 
Actually. You did you did some at work. Yeah, too, that's I, true. When I, I had I down moments at work, I would, you know, take out a notebook and write a little bit. But I wasn't really getting any of the creative stuff. I mean, I worked as a managing editor, so I got to like be a little bit creative and write stories for newspapers and stuff like that, but it wasn't the creative writing. I mean, I say that newspaper writing is a different kind of writing than what I do now. And I I love writing for newspaper, but I feel like what makes me come alive is creating stories from nothing, you know, yeah. basically like, you know, telling lies instead of telling the truth. I mean, it's it's not really like that, but... No, you're telling the truth through using story. storytelling. Yeah. yeah. So I I remember at that time just feeling like I was withering a little bit and just unfulfilled and not living out my purpose. Like I've always had a very clear idea of what I wanted to do with my life. And I just remember coming to a point where I was like, this is not what I want to do with my life. And it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the family stuff, even though that was like really tough. But it was like, I mean, the job just sucked it out of me, you know, mm -hmm. because there was no extra time in between all of the family things. And then we were trying to do this band on the side and then all of my work responsibilities, because managing editor is a big responsibility. I was putting out a newspaper, you know, myself and designing it and writing stories for it and collecting stories. And it was just it was a lot. So. So I would I would say at that time you weren't creatively fulfilled at all. No. And I was because I wasn't working full time. I was really You got to play on your guitar all day. Yeah, working on the band <laughs> stuff. I did still I was working part time for I was working part time or full time for church during those times, you know, at various points. And I did try to also keep some like freelance work going with web design, graphic design, eventually video production work. But I still, I had way more room to exercise my creativity and feel that sense of creative fulfillment mm -hmm. than you did. And the conversation came up many times, like we, we need to get you out of that job, but we felt like we couldn't really yeah. afford to do that. I mean, it paid our bills. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it wasn't until you were kind of forced out. Laid off, basically. Right. So there was the, jo the job that you had mm -hmm. was for a Methodist organization. And this Methodist organization has various regions and mm -hmm. regional offices. So your, your job was basically to edit and produce the newspaper for, for, that, all of those for that region. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was for the Southwest right Texas region and so there was another region that merged mm -hmm. and when that merge happened there were redundancies but it was also kind of an opportunity for the leadership to come in and say you know we could stop having this one position and save some money and that was mm -hmm. kind of yeah what it, happened we could we could fold that position into this other thing so so i applied for the other thing and i asked for a really high salary and of course, no, I did not get you it. You asked for a fair salary. I did ask for a fair salary, but they said no. So actually, I think it was less than what the man who ended up getting the position, like by about 50000 And there is why I can be an aggressive feminist. <laughs> yeah, we had, a, we had a whole conversation in the pre-show about that and, uh, and why I think that what other people might perceive as aggressive is just the reasonable expectation for anyone who experiences that kind of inequality and and oppression so 
So all that to say, that was kind of the the impetus for us to figure out how we could both be creative well, in our it, home. And it was also, it, it, it kind of, it forced me to kind of switch roles with you in a way. It was, it was like, you, you know, we were, you were passing the baton to me or something mm -hmm. like that. It was, it was kind of like, okay, it's my turn to be the person who worries about making sure we've got our bills covered. It's Rachel's turn to, to have some creative. space to be creative. And so that was, that was, you had been working on a novel during your time. You'd been writing, you'd been sharing stuff. Yeah. But when, when that job went away was when it was like, okay, yeah, now I can really started. start focusing on my writing mm -hmm. career. Seeking representation and all of that. Like I had the time to actually, you know, go about things the way I knew they needed to be done. So. Yeah. And, and we've since then, by some miracle, <laughs> we've. <laughs> We've managed because it's been a mix of, you know, I'll have two part-time jobs and be doing some freelance work on the side, or I'll have a full-time job and have a part-time job, or I'll have one part-time job and a bunch of freelance work on the side, or, I'll you know, some books. and some of it, some of it has been, and, and it, there were seasons of like feast or famine <laughs> and there were some seasons in there where it was like okay we've got a pretty steady mm -hmm. dependable kind of thing going on and what what i really am grateful for over the past several years that we've kind of been in that situation is that i've managed to either be doing work that that helped me feel fulfilled creatively or i've had just enough space to do some creative work and i feel like that having having the time to do that really set me up for where i am today which is i have an amazing flexible remote full-time job with benefits and doing work that i love for people who who i really care about and and want to to help and support and in addition to that i still have some time to do stuff like this and make videos and, and do creative work. So it really is great right now, but it was a struggle for a long time. It really was, yeah. And especially when the kids were young too, they needed a lot more from us. And so that was very, it was fulfilling, but it was also very draining where I know for myself, I often felt like the lifeblood of me was just being sucked out by all of the needs. I was responsible for the kids in the morning. And then once 1230 came around, you would take over. And then the other two days of the work week, we switched where I had the afternoon and you had the morning. And so what that allowed me to do is feel like I could give what I give of myself the way I felt like I needed to give to my children. But then once 1230 hit, I knew that I could just like go into my room and be by myself, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that could foster creativity as well. Well, and I, I want to back up a little bit first too, to talk about how one of, one of the things we decided to do early on was, and this was, this was not just for our own sanity, but it was also kind of what we were reading about and, and learning about child development and that kind of thing would be the healthiest most secure kind of environment for a child is one that has some a solid structure and that was predictable. And so we built a really solid routine, morning, lunchtime, lunch, lunch times, nap times, evening routine. And that, that structure was for them, but it was also 
for us. And, and without starting that way, you know, if you don't start that way later on, you're going to have a really hard time yeah, it is tough. getting a kid to fall into a rhythm. It's, you're going to have a harder time than if you start them out that way. And so I think because we started them out that way, because they, that was, that was all they knew was that rhythm and that routine. Mm-hmm. Um, it really made it a lot easier when it came time for us to decide, okay, like how do we, how do we want to portion out our time in the framework of this routine that we've already established with the kids? Mm-hmm. And so that's where this idea came in for having three days a week. So I think, I don't know, I've, I feel like it's, it started out as a different set of days, but what it yeah, is it today is was. Yeah. Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. I get everybody ready for school. Yeah, you you were responsible for all the morning stuff, mm-hmm. and then you know twelve o'clock came around and we tagged. It was twelve thirty, or think. yeah, twelve yeah, yeah twelve thirty, and then you had the rest of the afternoon, mm-hmm. and then on Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm the one who gets everybody up and gets everybody ready for school, or you know in the in the summer, yeah, we get them up and we you know, make sure they're occupied and not yeah. killing each other. And it's funny too, because they actually look forward to our mornings for different reasons because they're like, Ooh, daddy's in charge tomorrow. So he's going to make oatmeal. And, but yeah. we're probably going to be a little bit later to school because mama's the punctual one. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. Like I'll be really curious to have conversations with them when they're parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, about their experience as children kind of having that back and forth because there's a form of consistency, but there's also a form of inconsistency there because like every morning is a little bit different because of that. So, and I think because I was the one who was primarily responsible for like making the money and stuff, I was given the the mornings, those three mornings a week, I was given time. Yeah. I was given a little Mm -hmm. bit more time, but it's still, you know, that that 1230 handoff. And the thing that, the thing that works really well for us there too, this comes back to like the kids schedules is they have, they have lunch every day at 1130 between 1130 and noon. And right after lunch, they've always either had nap time time. or quiet time. Mm -hmm. And I got, I want to talk about that. Like I want to talk about the nap time and the quiet time thing, because I think that's probably, I don't know, like now that I think about it, I feel like that's maybe the biggest part of what has made it such a success. Yeah. Because even though we're handing off, you know, at 1230, that's in the middle of that nap time and quiet time. So it's almost like we've got this window of, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, I'm responsible for the kids, but they're, they're good. Like they're not, because they're, they're they're kind of trained. And I think, I mean, I was the one, I was very, diligent about nap time because I I knew kids when they were young needed sleep. And then, you know, as they get older, they no longer sleep, even though we always tell them even a 30 minute nap would be good for you. But we changed it to quiet time because that is the hottest part of the day. Mm -hmm. And in a Texas summer, it's very hot outside. And I was, I I always told them you have to wear sunscreen and they didn't want to wear sunscreen. And so I was like, well, you have to stay inside the house until, you know, this time. And so it just, it was a natural kind of evolution from nap time to quiet time because they needed to be inside and doing things. And so they have pre-approved activities where, you know, they can they can color, they can draw, they can write, they can read. And so it's just all of these quiet activities. 
that Some, also foster their creativity. Yeah. Sometimes they can play board games. Sometimes. I, not usually on my shift, but... if Yeah, if they don't... Daddy lets them do it. If and they, they don't break out into fighting. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in the summertime when they're home and they're having quiet time every day, I actually have writing prompts for them to write in journals and, and things like that just to keep them occupied. And we have summer reading lists, which, I mean, I could even share some of those with everybody as we get closer to summer. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to do that. That would, that would be really cool. Yeah. So when they were, when they were really little, that started out as nap time. Mm -hmm. And as they, as they got older and naps weren't quite as necessary, the, the quiet time thing, I think in addition to like, it gets them out of the sun, but it also breaks up their day because Mm -hmm. they would, we would send them outside. Like when, when they're home from school, that's one of the things that is helpful because like they play outside a lot there's always stuff to keep up with in the house and then you know like i still i still have work you still have writing to do Mm -hmm. and so when they're home there are certain things that i can do for my job that i can do while the kids are you know outside playing and if they need to come in and ask me a question or whatever and i know the difference between like oh this is something this is something i can do while I'm on duty. And these are things that if I try to do while I'm on duty, I'm yeah, going to get just, frustrated yeah. or, you know, I'm not, they're not going to get. So that's been a big part of it too, is like understanding the different kinds of work that you can do while you're in charge. And, mm-hmm. and then, so the kids are playing outside, like basically all morning, come in and have lunch. And then they've got this time that they can be inside and it kind of breaks up the day. And then when quiet time is over, they're usually like, oh, I'm ready to go back mm-hmm, outside yeah. and they'll, they'll play outside again for the rest of the afternoon. So I think that's another piece of it. And then as the older ones now, you know, we don't force them to have quiet time. I say, I say force. I mean, we do the younger ones. It's like, no, you have to have yeah. quiet time. But the older ones, we, I, I can't remember, but at some point we started giving them the option, but they still, yeah, during that time, read and- yeah, that's, that's also when they're like their screen time starts. So like they're, about the time they're old enough not to have quiet time anymore, they're also old enough to have a little bit of screen time. So they'll usually do that then, and then they'll spend a couple of hours reading. And then they might decide to go out and play, you know, yeah. still and do some stuff. But but I, I feel like that's that's worked extremely well. And it's also expanded because because of how that overlaps, you know, the handoff. I feel mm-hmm. like that's expanded the time that, that each of us has to focus on our work. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's much more to it than that. I think it's just building systems into things and kids just fall very naturally into routine and schedule. And as much as, you know, we talked about it last week, can you be overscheduled? But I think for kids, it just, it means predictability and it means Mm -hmm. safety for them. And so, I mean, the nights that we are late on doing after dinner chores, after which time we spend in our our home library reading, um, usually I'll read from a chapter book and you'll read a picture book and they miss it. You know, they're like, oh, we're not doing this tonight because we have to cut it out in order to get everybody to bed on time or whatever. Mm So I think it it just means a measure of, you know, predictability for them. And that's really good, especially we have some neurodiverse children and it's especially important for them yeah. to know what's coming and to know what's next. So that that kind of dictated 
some of that as well. And I just happen to be a very routine kind of person. I do the same things every night for my, you know, go to bed routine. So yeah, I, I guess you could call it boring, but no, <laughs> go wash your face, put your chapstick on. That's not boring. <laughs> that just sounds lovely. I will say that the, the other, what, what makes this so effective also is that when I'm in charge and you're having your work time, the kids understand mm, yeah. just through repetition that like when 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 there's a parent that's not in charge, even if they come downstairs or whatever, like yeah. they're not in charge of any of the decisions. And because that, you know, that takes making decisions about or like whether or not kids want permission for something yeah, or it's mental energy. Having having to get on to them for some behavior. It's meant yeah, it's mental energy. And mm-hmm. so We've really helped them understand. And, you know, there's still. Yeah, I still have intruders. I had two yesterday. So. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, we can we can go into our workspaces when it's when it's our time to have that that work time and feel very confident that we're going to be able to focus mm-hmm. and not be interrupted. And that that I think is essential for creative work. I oh, mean, you've, you've got to have those spaces where like you you just know nothing is going to come in and steal your attention and steal your focus. Yeah. And I will say, too, that it you had mentioned at the very beginning the, the egalitarian share that we have in our home. And it really is, you know, it's it's not like I'm the only one who does these certain things and, and you just, you know, get to be a man or whatever. Like, you are very good about sharing the household duties as well. So I think that has, for me at least, that's opened up time and space in my brain to be able to be creative. I appreciate that. So, well, and you know, when you're when you're thinking about because even even when you're not on duty, when you're trying to think about all of the things that need to happen, like the laundry and mm-hmm. food preparation and dishes, gr- dishes and Endless groceries dishes. and and kids' schedules and activities and that kind of thing. Like all of those things, they don't they don't just leave your brain, you know? And and so if you're the person who's responsible for them and things break down or, or like you you feel like things will break down if you don't think about them and have a plan for them, that takes away from your ability to focus and be creative. And so that's, you know, I, I think it's still something to be honest. It's still something that I am working on is I, I was, I, and I wouldn't say I grew up in, in home homes that weren't egalitarian, but I did learn, like I picked up on these notes of a more patriarchal structure in the home and that it wasn't, it wasn't really for the man of the house to concern himself with certain things. And again, I wasn't taught that directly. There, you know, nobody was like, okay, so Ben, when you're at, it was, it was really That's just something you, you kind of yeah. learn in society. If you, if you are in. It's what you absorb. R- certain religious cultures, you learn that it's, yeah, it's something you observe. And so, yeah, I, I, I want to be careful not to like mischaracterize how I was raised or something like that. But because of that, I have to be intentional about looking for those things. And because you don't, you don't often, it's, it's less of a like, oh, here, Ben, here's something I need you to do. Or I need you to think about, or I, I need just you to take over. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just complain. 
if but if yeah if rachel starts to get grumpy i'm like i know maybe I've i need learned, to step up a little yeah i've i've learned to ask what it, what am i not doing that i should be doing now no sounds terrible no it's it's not that way <laughs> making me no but you know you know what i mean yeah. like it, it's it's really just i'm not great at asking for help anyway but you know there are there are times when i'll just i'll say something like i really don't like being the only one who does this you know yeah so i'm, I'm not a great communicator when it comes to like you know hashing these things out but yeah man i okay so as as far as answering the question of like how do you how do you do this? I think we've done a pretty good job talking about some of the logistical things, but I do, I, I think that this really is a big piece of it too, because if you're in a partnership with someone and you, sh and you share household response, or you, you have a household together, you have children together, whatever that looks like, you, you do need to be on the same page and maybe you're in a relationship where you've never asked the question or it's never come up. There's maybe there's always been kind of this assumption that, oh, this person's responsible for these things and I'm responsible for the other things. And and so we we didn't have we didn't have those conversations not not seriously. Like they were in yeah. some workbook that we did, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably. But we didn't we didn't really seriously have those conversations until a little bit later. So if you if you haven't had those conversations and because you you might learn some things that you didn't know and there there may be some opportunities there to either step up or, you know, offload some of the things that you feel like you've been carrying by yourself. And and it may be, you know, I, I think in most cases, it may be one of those things where if if you are the person like Rachel was, I think, who for a long time carried more than she should have, it's not it's not necessarily that your partner wouldn't be willing to carry those things, but maybe just doesn't know to to ask or doesn't have a way of recognizing that. And that having that conversation could be the thing that opens their eyes to, oh yeah, that's that isn't cool. I should be helping you with that. So so I would encourage you to to do that. I'm going to go ahead and I, I want to keep talking about this subject and go a little bit deeper into it, but we're going to do that in the after show. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and sign us out. Do you have any more thoughts? I don't think so. Okay. I'm sorry. I made you cry. Hey, no, you're, you're going to make me have wrinkles. No. Okay. I already have wrinkles 20 I, years with you. <laughs> Just kidding. Because I make you laugh. <laughs> That's what it is. It's all I'm, laugh yeah, lines. It's all mm -hmm. laugh lines. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If you like this show and you want to help us out or you want to hear more episodes or whatever, you can go to intheboatpodcast.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there. Uh, sign up for our newsletter because we'll let you know when new episodes come out. We're going to let you know about any other kind of special events we do with the podcast, that kind of thing. We have, we have some fun plans for what we might do with this podcast in the future. And so if you want to know about those things, sign up for our newsletter in the boat podcast.com. Rachel, if people want to find you online, where can they go? RachelTolson.com. And you can find me at bentolson.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.
egalitarianism. I, f- I feel like I did a pretty good job of characterizing how I came to kind of the approach that I did, but it also takes two to tango. And I'm curious. So, so when I was describing it, you know, I was talking about like, I, I was in very, you know, very deeply involved in religious culture, primarily Baptist, which does teach a lot of, a lot of the teachings kind of place the man as the head of the household. I don't, not kind of, they, it, no, places, it's very patriarchal. Yeah, it places the man as the head of the household. And it's not, it's not, I a think these days. A woman submit to her husband. I think these days it's not, and, and even, you know, then when I was a kid, it wasn't as explicitly like the wife should stay home and take care of all the home. Like it wasn't. I think it depends on the church. It depends on the church. I'm, I'm just saying for me. Oh, okay. So, so for me, those weren't the kind of messages I was getting, but there were some, there were some subtle undertones mm-hmm. of that. In, in the religious culture that I came up in, in the households that I grew up in, that was kind of the structure. There was, there, there was sharing of responsibility, but there were certain things that the men did and there were certain things that the women did. And, and so there was, there, there were, those were kind of the things that influenced my perception and, and my expectation of what a household would look like. And, and there were kind of responsibilities that I would have, but I'm curious to hear about your experiences and like what I mean, what I, were the things that you learned and expected when we first got married? I mean, I grew up in the same traditions you did and mm-hmm. and I've I've written about a lot of this. I don't know that I've published a lot of it, but it's probably my number one problem that I have with the church as it exists today is that I am no secondary citizen. And and that's kind of what I grew up feeling like. And so I didn't feel like I could complain or ask for help on certain things or even pursue the things that I wanted to pursue because that was not my right as a woman. And so there's were, a lot of were there were there specific messages or or teachings that gave you that message or was it something that was a little bit more subtle but kind of I think of... it depended on the church my childhood church was probably a little more subtle the places that I got involved with when I was in college and probably like at the first part of our marriage and stuff and some of the churches we went to I remember there being a pastor who was like well we just we want your husband on the worship team so that you can stay home and and homeschool your children and I was like that is not my vision for my life. Like, mm-hmm. I am not a homeschooling kind of person. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It just was not my vision for my life. But I, I think a lot of it was was subtle. But I do remember there being certain pieces where I, I specifically remember one because I was always a very ambitious um, I wanted to do great things. And that's just the way I was born. I would tell people when I was like three years old, I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to be famous. And mm-hmm. not that, you know, fame is all, you know, it, it's not what I chase. But I do remember there being a specific experience that I've had to like work through multiple times where there was, I don't know if it was a pastor or a youth pastor or somebody when I would share what my dreams were for my future, he took it back to the curse and how Eve, I can't remember the specific language around it, but it was like, you will, you will want what your husband has. And he said, he interpreted that as being the job and the fame and the, you know, the doing great things and the dream. And that's, 
Like it made me feel ashamed to even want to be great. Yeah. There are a lot of problematic there's, interpretations. There's a lot of problematic theology that comes from the Genesis story. Interpretation, yeah. That, maybe that comes maybe from, she ate the apple because she wanted to be wise. I'm just kidding. Well No, I'm not kidding, but no, I shouldn't say that on the So Sorry, that's go ahead. yeah, we we definitely definitely don't want to like dish on religion and stuff, but just acknowledge, you know, like, I think it's important to acknowledge where some of these ideas come from. And it's, and religion is, you know, that's, that's a piece of it, but it's also in society. It was mm -hmm. in, for me, it was, it was in society. It well, was in, it was in TV shows, TV shows it was in, and movies. Yeah. Like everything that you saw. I mean, there were, there were a few you could count probably on your hands in the eighties and nineties. And the nineties were really the ones I remember because that's when I was, you know, coming into middle school and high school and, and learning more about who I was going to be. But I mean, it was very patriarchal stuff. You know, we've yeah. watched the Goonies with the boys, which is one of my favorite movies, but there are certain lines in that, that I'm like, I'll pause. And I'm like, okay, boys, we, had, we have to talk, <laughs> we about, have to this. talk about this. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, you know, the, it was in, in earlier years when it was more blatant, it's a lot easier to deal with because it's like, oh yeah, that's blatantly. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's I think it's that way with a lot of issues nowadays. I think the the more subtle it becomes, the the more difficult it is to deal with, and the easier it is for people who want to defend. They just dismiss, yeah, yeah. They they mm -hmm. want to defend that way of thinking, and so it's like, well, no, that's why are you? You know, it's it's not like I'm out here. Yeah. What, you know, whatever excuse they give. So I think, and there, there are times that I've written, you know, I used to write for the HuffPost. And I remember actually talking about this very specific thing where you and I, you know, break up our days and stuff. And I mean, the amount of hate that I got from like commenters about how, I mean, the women even would say, well, you're not doing your duty as a mom and a wife. And then the men would come and be like, she probably spends all his money, even though I was the one with the full-time job. And it's just like, you know, he, you hear enough of those things and it just, it's awful, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I, I love my full-time job and I love the work I do, but my dream is to have a partner in, in you specifically. <laughs> my dream really is for you to become so, you know, famous with your books that I don't have to work unless I choose to. And I can just do whatever creative thing I feel like that day. You're just uh, holding, yeah, and, you're still holding out for that. I'm, it's going to happen. I believe <laughs> it. So basically you would be, as I think the term is my sugar mama. So <laughs> that's, oh, that's very untraditional. No, I think the, the biggest, the biggest challenge really is just when you, when you grow up learning to think a, a certain way and learning to see things a certain way having to reprogram that really does take, it takes some effort and, and it takes some intentionality. And even recently, I think just w this has been within the past month, I've finally, if I finally caught on that, like every Sunday, in addition to like, we, you know, we would clean our house together and stuff that that was something we, sh we shared responsibilities for. But like Sunday, when I thought of Sundays, I was like, oh, I can take, I can take it easy. I don't mm -hmm. have anything to do. And then I just, I kept hearing you complain about having to cut up vegetables and stuff because the boys have vegetables for their lunches throughout the week. And we would fill up, you know, like three, 
Rachel would fill up three full containers or two full containers of vegetables. And chop and prepare all of the salad for the week. And Yeah. Yeah. And so it finally occurred to me one, one day when you were complaining about it, I was like, there's no reason I can't help with that. Yeah. Like there's and now it takes half the time. And so it's and wonderful. it's really it's really looking at looking at anything like that because, you know, like there's no reason I can't figure out what size clothes the boys need to be in, have a plan and, and create a come up with a plan for when we're gonna get those clothes. There's no reason I can't, you know, whatever it is. Instead of instead of looking at something and thinking, oh, that's not my job, I think a big one that's kind of this is this is where it gets really sneaky is there are, there are things that society teaches us oh these are things that are not they're not in men's wheelhouse like that's women women are just more yeah they're better designed for that those tasks that's baloney it is it's yeah. just baloney it is well it's the same way that you know we're told that men are designed for certain tasks like you know math and all of that you know it's so the the only time something like that has been true the the these are these are like the two times that I can think of specifically. I don't take out the trash. But it's not because you can't. Right. It's because I don't want to. Yeah, but it's it's not because you're a woman. There are other people who are in in the house with you who are more willing to do that. None of us is more qualified <laughs> than you would be to take out the trash. It's just, you know. Yeah. That's a thing. So opening jars. I do a pretty good job of that though most times. Although no, I I have a method though. You just think I'm going to mess it up. No, no, no. No, you you've asked me though. Yeah, I have asked you a few times. And and I I do have a method. I use the I use the knife on yeah. the edge and I hit like, I just bang it against the counter. Yeah, but when that doesn't work. <laughs> so that and then reaching things that are on high shelves. Because you're just a little bit taller than. I'm well, you have longer arms. That's what I it have. Is. Long, yeah, much longer arms. Mm -hmm. That's it, folks. Any, just about anything else, either one of us is equally qualified to do in this household. Every justification that we have that's gender based is a fabrication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I I couldn't breastfeed the children. No, but so there are things that, like personality wise, that can right. get that can get kind of sneaky too, though, because it's like, oh, women tend to have these kinds of personalities and men tend to have these kinds of personalities. I feel like you and I break that mold though. It's almost like we're reversed. Well, I, I don't know. I think because I've seen, I've seen enough examples of what I think I remember the most is like, oh, women are more detail oriented and men are more like big thinkers, dreamers come up with like, but, um, but and that's not a gender thing anyway. It's I think, just... I think that is true about yeah, you, you are the me. more detail-oriented one. I'm. That doesn't mean I'm not capable of dealing with right. details, and that doesn't mean that you're not capable of coming up with big plans. It just means that you know the the easier way for us to to think happens to fall into those categories. But in other couples, it's yeah switched. There are some couples where like both partners are big dreamers mm -hmm. or both partners are very detail oriented. And those are the people who always have clean homes 100% yeah. of the time. <laughs> Don't look behind us. So any, anyway, all that to say, I I've learned to be suspicious of any thought that I have that tells me, Oh, that's, that's something that is like Rachel's job mm -hmm. yeah, and, and vice versa. 
And it's caused me to be a little bit more intentional about looking for those opportunities, not to like take on as much responsibility as I can and like take everything off of your plate, but just, you know, I, and, and this is, I think what it really all comes down to is, you know, that I want things to be as equal as possible. We're not going to, we're not going to achieve like a perfect Mm -hmm. balance where like we both have an equal share of the responsibilities and that kind of thing. But you know that I'm, I'm trying to do that. And I know that you're trying to do that. You know that I care about you having the, the space and the focus to create. And I know that you care about that for me. And so I think because we believe that about one another, it makes it a lot easier not to feel hung up on the day in, day out stuff. Yeah. Well, and I would say too that in different seasons, things shift a little, you know? Oh, for sure. So yeah. there are times that we ebb and flow with our responsibilities and stuff. And I feel like that's just as it should be. Yep. All right. We've gone Way quite over. a bit, quite a bit over what we originally set aside for this, but it was, it was a good conversation. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time.